0: Former Notre Dame head coach Lou Holtz said that Notre Dame would win this game because they have an elite offensive line, they're physically tougher, they have a great defense, and they have the home field advantage. And most importantly, that Ryan Day and Ohio State are, according to Lou Holtz, incapable of beating teams that are physically tougher than the Buckeyes are. Well, Ohio State, in winning 17-14 proved Lou Holtz wrong in a cruel twist of irony. Notre Dame dominated possession. They had 34 minutes and 59 seconds of possession. Ohio State only had 25 minutes and one second. Notre Dame, especially in the second half, had the more complete run game, and their running backs performed better, and their offensive line looked like the superior offensive line. Notre Dame's offensive line didn't have one of their tackles shove a defensive end into the turf, costing them a key drive. They also didn't give up a sack. Notre Dame had their longest rush of the day, pegged at 22, and averaged four and a half yards per carry. Ohio State had a 61-yard touchdown run, and if you take that out of their rushing attack, they only averaged three yards per carry. Outside of that one boom play... The run game, while consistent and still able to keep Notre Dame's defense honest, was not as impressive as Notre Dame's rushing attack, primarily because of stubbornly trying to run stretch and also end-arounds with Igbuka on that fourth and short, which was just one of the worst play calls I've ever seen. I don't know why Ryan Day ran that. That's a classic situation where, as Ryan Day learned and adapted from you put in Chip Train and Remyon Williams in that situation and you power them forward, 90% of the time you're going to pick up that fourth and one-fourth in inches. Or you quarterback sneak it. I have no clue why Ohio State never tried to QB sneak. Carson Hinsman's been a good center, and Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones are great offensive guards. It's not like you have your tackles trying to, you know, make a hole for your quarterback to get an inch or two inches or a foot or two feet or a yard. Um, you have great guards, some of the best guards and interior offensive linemen in the nation doing that for you. So a lot of questionable play calls from Ohio State, a lot of moments where Ohio State didn't look mentally or physically tough, where they tried to get cute and fancy and it didn't work. But at the end of the day, for Ohio State to go up 10 nothing, give up 14 unanswered points, and then with one, with one second remaining, take the lead and take the game, A, that means Ohio State's mentally tougher than Notre Dame, and there's a lot of evidence to back that up. And also, B, despite Notre Dame perhaps being the more physically tough team, ultimately, they had a big case of hubris. You want to know why? Um, they only had 10 players on the field on defense for the final two plays, and they were missing a right defensive end. They're missing a right defensive end, um, a defensive end that maybe, although I doubt it because Chip Traynum's a beast, could have stuffed Trainham at the line of scrimmage instead of allowing him to get that touchdown. Al Golden, another moment of arrogance, also calling prevent when Ohio State is on the Notre Dame 22 on 3rd and 19 when the Buckeyes have Emeka Egbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., and also Cade Stover who has definitely improved compared to last year as a tight end, especially in the receiving game. Uh, Ohio State learned from their mistakes. At the end of the day, they put together a 65-yard drive in 1 minute and 25 seconds, which included a fourth down conversion, a third and long conversion, a third and extra long conversion, and a bold, bold play call at the end. When you've failed on fourth down twice, when your run game, while honestly, Ohio State had success in the run game, but not being explosive, not being a guarantee, and when you've second-guessed yourself multiple times on fourth down and third and short, you decide to call the play that I think makes the most logical sense in that moment, which is Notre Dame. They have the emotions, too. They have to defend one whole yard. And they know Ohio State can and will want to pass. So they can't fully commit to the run. They can't fully commit to the pass. What do you do when you have a competent O-line and you have power backs? You run it from the one. And Ryan Day did that. He did the simple play. It wasn't the complex play. It probably wasn't the play he wanted to run. But he did it. And Ohio State took the lead 17-14. to And Notre Dame's defense, 10 men on the field, going into prevent dropping interceptions. Um, Look, I don't care if Notre Dame is physically tougher. They were much mentally weaker. They could not execute when it mattered. They couldn't. They could not. Sam Hartman, Audrick Estime, the running back room, when they needed to just get one more first down, the offensive line in the running back room couldn't do it. Hartman nearly threw the ball right into Tui Moalao's hands, which at best for Notre Dame saved Ohio State a timeout. If Notre Dame just runs it there, the game is over, especially when Ohio State committed an intentional grounding, where they ended up using that saved timeout to prevent a 10-second runoff. Or at worst for Notre Dame, Tui Moalao has a moment that he had against Penn State last year, an elite um, Heisman-caliber moment, and he takes the pick six back. Um, Play calling for Notre Dame offensively and defensively in the final five minutes of the game was an atrocity, perhaps in the final three or even two minutes of the game. In clutch time, Notre Dame was horrible. Like, absolutely. It was just bad. It was objectively bad. They went away. They tried to get cute. Notre Dame tried to get fancy. They tried to outthink and outsmart Jim Knowles and Ryan Day, and they, they, they got too complicated. You know, complexity is good, and I think that you know, a lot of people oversimplify a lot of things, but sometimes you just have to do the simple thing. And at the end of the day, that's what Ohio State did, you know, running it in from the one with Chip Trainum. Um, Ohio State, for multiple points in the game, tried to do the complex thing. They tried to outthink Notre Dame. Halfback toss to the short side of the field, the right side in that instance, for two yards. What are you doing? End around with Emeka Igbuka again. What are you doing? Fourth and goal. You either kick the field goal or you pound it up the middle to assert your will. Not some weird play-action pass with a quarterback who, although he has pocket awareness and does have mobility, isn't going to be able to outmaneuver a goal-line defense with Notre Dame's speed and athleticism. What are you doing? Despite those multiple errors Ohio State pulled away, their defense looked great, all around. I know they had some bad moments, but when your offense is only scoring 17 points, it's hard against a team who is a legitimate top 15 team in Notre Dame. It's hard to hold that team to 14 points all day, and Ohio State's defense did that. And for their offense, despite their multiple imperfections, despite the fact that McCord struggled to complete 50% of his passes, he was 21 of 37, he didn't even complete 60% of his passes, and he had a passer rating of 111.2. By passer rating, that's his worst game all season. By QBR, he actually had his third best game of the year, similar to a game that he had against Youngstown State. And currently, he's the fifth best quarterback in the country, according to ESPN's quarterback efficiency. Ohio State had the better players, they had the more mentally tough players, and they had the much better staff. I mean, only having 10 men on the field in a clutch situation like that, when you're defending your own end zone? What are you doing if you're Al Golden and Marcus Freeman? Seriously, what are you doing? And ultimately, Chip Traynham, I think, deserves player of the game. Punching it in for the final touchdown, six rushing attempts, 13 yards, one touchdown, but if he doesn't have that play, if he doesn't execute there, Notre Dame wins. And Chip Traynham also, earlier in the game, had a few other key plays. Now, Henderson ultimately had the biggest play of the day, the 61-yard touchdown run. And when he made that run, my thought was this game could get ugly for Notre Dame. But Notre Dame, they ended up responding. They really did. And because of that, Ohio State was put in a position where they needed players to step up. And Igbuka was one of those players as well. In fact... Igbuka probably deserves this award as much as Trainum does. I just think that Trainum having a third down conversion earlier in the game, which helped get Ohio State in Notre Dame Territory, and I think that helped I think I think that set them up for a score, or it almost did, and then Ohio State, you know, didn't execute properly in Notre Dame Territory. I forget exactly. But Trainum and Igbuka definitely players of the game. Igbuka nearly had 100 receiving yards. Trainum only had 13 rushing yards. He also had a first down reception. But that final touchdown at the end of the game, Igbuka put Ohio State in the position to potentially win, and Chip Trainum won Ohio State the game with that play on the one-yard line. Before we continue this video, if you want to see more Ohio State football or Big Ten football content and college football coverage as well, Please make sure to subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell. That way we can get 20,000 subscribers by the end of the season. Also, like this video and comment your thoughts and reaction to this game down below. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts and converse with you in the comments section below. I'm back to the topic of the day, though. 17-14, and look, both teams were pretty even. All things considered, Notre Dame did have the home field advantage. Notre Dame, in my mind, played a more disciplined game of football. Um, Sam Hartman, for example, was 17 of 25, and he completed nearly 70% of his passes. Hartman had the higher passer rating. Um, At the end of the day, Kyle McCord, he nearly threw two or three interceptions. Meanwhile, Sam Hartman, I think, only threw nearly one, maybe two. And the one that I can certainly remember was to J.T. Chui Molau, on Sam Hartman's final pass attempt of the game. So, if you're Notre Dame, you got to be thinking to yourself, like, what did we do? We did, we did, we did so many things right, and yet we came up short. And if you're Ohio State, you have to be looking at Chip Traynham and Emeka Egbuka, and also you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. for fighting through that ankle injury. At the end of the day, he only had 32 receiving yards. But nonetheless, still, he's a threat. He had three receptions. He fought through pain. Um, before his ankle injury occurred, he only had one reception for seven yards. So he had two receptions combined for 25 yards after his ankle injury. He played through the pain. That's toughness. Cade Stover had seven receptions along with Igbuka. Stover had 52 receiving yards. Igbuka had 96. It's just, this is impressive in my mind, and maybe to you it isn't, but for these players to be put in the position they were in by whether it was Ryan Day's prior mistakes, whether it was Notre Dame overall playing a pretty good game until, again, clutch time, Notre Dame keeping themselves in a position to come back in striking distance for the entire game. They did strike. The problem was Ohio State struck back, and they controlled the clock well. They had good tempo. They wisely saved their time out. It was good coaching in the final minutes of the game by Ryan Day and Ohio State. And their players stepped up. Kyle McCord did not have a good day, but on that final drive, he made the throws. He nearly threw two picks on that final drive, nearly. But when he made mistakes, and Notre Dame couldn't take advantage of them, he then made the he then made the correct throw and the correct play the next time. So, what a day for Ohio State. And when it comes to Kyle McCord, he just has to learn. He has to make more accurate throws. I don't think right now that Ohio State has elite quarterback play. I think. Anyone would agree with me on that. I don't even know if they have near elite or great quarterback play. I think they have good quarterback play. Not near elite, not even great. Right now, they just have good quarterback play. And also, Notre Dame has a great to near elite to elite secondary. So this is probably one of the best secondaries that Kyle McCord will have to face all season long. Also, Travion Henderson, 14 carries for 104 yards. 61 of those were on a long touchdown run that was blocked up well by Marvin Harrison Jr. That's why he had his ankle injuries, because he was being a, a dutiful, efficient, disciplined blocker. That opened up the hole for Henderson to scamper all the way for a long touchdown. And you see that speed and space when he took off. I initially, seeing that play develop, thought it was just going to be a 10 or 15-yard run, but he had the speed to avoid like two tackles that most running backs would have fallen victim to. And he went all the way to the end zone. Big, explosive play, and that was one of the highlight moments for Ohio State in the running back room. Overall, the running backs for the Buckeyes finished with 126 rushing yards, 4.7 yards per rush, and two rushing touchdowns. McCord was 21 of 37 for 240. He averaged 6.5 yards per pass attempt. He had an 89.5 quarterback efficiency rating, though, and I think that's just calibrating for Notre Dame's secondary, being one of the best secondaries in the nation. Um, putting McCord as a top 10 quarterback according to quarterback efficiency, I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's a good quarterback. He's certainly top 25, and according to ESPN, it's him and J.J. McCarthy right now are the two most efficient quarterbacks in the entirety of the Big Ten. And speaking of McCarthy, and also want to bring Drew Aller in here, Week four's games, in my mind, prove to me that the Big Ten's a three-man race. It's Penn State, it's Michigan, it's Ohio State. Iowa, I thought, was the fifth-best team in the Big Ten, behind Wisconsin, oddly enough. Many thought they were fourth. Uh, Penn State just annihilated them. Now it's between Wisconsin and Maryland for the next man up behind the Big Three. None of those teams are close to Penn State. Ohio State, or Michigan. So the Buckeyes, they have a bye this coming weekend, then they face Maryland, and then from there, they're going to play big games against Penn State, and then, of course, Michigan in the game to close out the season. I want to talk about Notre Dame, and then, of course, we'll get to Ohio State at the end. And On this show, on this channel, we talk about the losers first, and we save the best for last. If you're Notre Dame, Going back to what I was saying earlier, how do you feel right now if you're a Notre Dame fan? How do you feel? I'm very curious. I can tell you how I feel, um, how I look at things from different perspectives, and of course this is going to be imperfect. I'm a Michigan fan, as all of you know. I want the 11-0 versus 11-0 game. I'm also not a particular fan of Notre Dame for backing out of the Michigan rivalry, so This game was, it was exhilarating. It was awesome. I got like a high from watching this game and watching Ohio State punch it in. It was an awesome experience for me. From a college football neutral standpoint, it was also awesome and adrenaline secreting. And it was, it was, it was eye catching. I was glued to the screen the whole time, even though the game and the offenses were practically dead for the first half, it's a top 10 matchup. Both teams are, they overall were playing good football. It's just the defenses were playing better than the offenses for the first half and for much of the game, but still both sides of the football on both teams played good football. And special teams for both units were, in my mind, good. I know that Notre Dame left some points. On the board, Spencer Schrader did end up missing a field goal, but Ohio State left points on the board too with some of their botched fourth down conversion attempts, and so did Notre Dame. Um, Spencer Schrader, 0 of 1 with field goals. Jaden Fielding was 1 of 1, but Schrader did have a longer attempt. I think his was in the 40s. Um, but anyway, both teams played pretty, pretty equal football. It was a great game, all time classic with the comeback by Ohio State. Looking at this from Notre Dame's perspective, it stinks. Because if Notre Dame wins this game, USC looked disgusting last night. Yes, I stayed up until 2 a.m. watching that whole game. USC doesn't have a defense. Um, Caleb Williams, to be frank, looked like Mitch Trubisky for half of the game. He looked overrated. He's not a bad quarterback. He's the nation's number one quarterback still in my mind. But there are some vulnerabilities and there are some weak spots of his that you can still exploit if you have a good defense, and Notre Dame does have a good defense. Um, Notre Dame also hosts USC and Clemson, who looks like their toughest road test. Clemson lost to Florida State. Clemson is the definition of mistake um, just mistake heavy. They are carefree with the football. Um, two games now against Duke and Florida State. They lost because of their turnovers, and also because of just plain ineptitude in other parts, but the turnovers were the biggest factor. That is a part of their identity, is turning the football over. Notre Dame doesn't turn over the football, and they're much physically tougher. They should beat Clemson. Duke looks like the toughest road game, and Notre Dame's more talented than Duke. On paper, Notre Dame should pound the Blue Devils and probably beat them by double digits, but we'll see if that happens. If you're a Notre Dame fan... Thinking from your perspective, I imagine that if Notre Dame wins this game, there is a good chance they finish 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 with a big win. Losing this game makes reaching the college football playoff a very lofty goal. A lot of chaos would have to happen for Notre Dame to reach the college football playoff. They'd have to win out, which is going to be a challenge already. It's a challenge for really any team except for probably. Look, Georgia or maybe Air Force to win out with their weaker schedules. And other teams like Florida State, Texas, Oregon, Washington, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama getting a second loss would help. Georgia losing would help. Um, A lot of those teams have to suffer losses, if not more than one loss, because they at least have a conference championship game they can attend and get that extra win, or they play in a conference and have a tougher likely a tougher schedule or they'll achieve or earn a better win than Notre Dame if they go 11 and 1. So college football playoff hopes, they're bleak because it's only one loss and this was a close game, I wouldn't say they're dead. But that's probably less of you know a point anyway or a lesser point because Notre Dame's goal this season wasn't to reach the college football playoff, in my mind, from my perspective. The goal is to improve. And going 11-2, and two, or 10-3, and three, or 12-1, and one, or whatever record Notre Dame can finish with this year that's better than last year is improvement. They had 351 offensive yards. They had two touchdowns. They showed that they can move one of the best defenses in the country. They show that they have a great offensive line, a great running back room. I know that I may get some disagreement and some potentially laughter at what I said about Ohio State's defense, but Ohio State does have one of the better defenses in all of college football. Notre Dame also has a very good offensive line, and they have one of the best running backs in college football in America and in the world in Audrick Estimate. Notre Dame exceeded my predictions. I thought Ohio State was going to win this game 38-20. Notre Dame didn't even score 20 points, but they scored 14 and they held Ohio State to 21 less points, three less touchdowns than I expected. Their defense stepped up, their secondary performed a lot better than I expected, and also Kyle McCord and Ohio State's passing offense wasn't as effective as I anticipated it to be. However, the rush defense does need some work. You cannot allow a long run like that to anyone, especially Ohio State when your offense is being made basically functionless by an opposing defense. You can't do that. And then on the final play of the game, and the play before that, only having 10 men on the field, that's total mismanagement. That's horrible. And especially being a defensive lineman, I mean, that that could have won the game for Notre Dame if they have that right defensive end in there. That's absolutely crazy. That's... Um, Wow, wow, I mean, part of part of what I think about in just you know remembering that because I didn't I didn't notice it. The announcers didn't notice it, but the post game analysts did. and I forget the name of one of the analysts, but um last name, last name of Ocho, I forget his first name. In fact, there are, are two. I think there are two brothers um who played in the NFL, and I think both might be analysts. I forget, but he got out his iPad and, and, you know, he diagrammed it up and pointed out and explained it really well. Um, if Notre Dame has that right defensive end out there, they might have had a chance to win. I think that Trainum, being the beast that he is probably still gets into the end zone, but that's Notre Dame not being efficient and not maximizing their chances to win. That's an example of that. And Ohio State was able to run up the middle pretty well. They didn't exploit that as much as I think they should have. Overall, though, I can't do much to critique Notre Dame here outside of their coaching. Their coaching in this game, in the fourth quarter, the final minutes of the fourth quarter, more specifically, is not elite. It's not even great. And that has to change. I mean, calling Prevent? Seriously? You're calling Prevent against one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country— and the opposing team, the Buckeyes, are at your 22. What are you doing? What are, what are you doing, Al Golden? Why? Send a blitz package or just do, you know, classic, I don't know, cover two man. I mean, your safeties and corners are covering, we're covering their wide receivers all day. Now, of course, you weren't shutting them down. No one can shut down Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka. But they were being limited. And to give up a long pass on 3rd and 19 because you got too conservative, that's bad coaching. That's not on your safeties or corners or linebackers. Oh, also lining up J.D. Bertrand with um, Travion Henderson. Sick move. That's like one of the worst mismatches in potentially the history of the sport when it comes to this year. Um, Henderson being one of the faster running backs in the country, and you're putting a linebacker on him. Sick move by Al Golden. That's not good at all. So Ohio State, they came out and they won the game, obviously. Notre Dame, on the other hand, shot themselves in the foot, to be frank. They have a lot to work on. And by a lot to work on, I mean they need to build back their confidence, and they need to find a way to generate explosive plays again. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about in Notre Dame, and then we'll move on to Ohio State. Notre Dame's offense for the first four games they played in was explosive. They were one of the leaders in the country in efficiency by ESPN. They were scoring well over 40 points per game. They were lighting everyone on fire through the air and on the ground, and look— They faced one of the better defenses in the country, in Ohio State. So, of course, things were going to change. But without the explosive plays, without the 20-plus yard plays, they couldn't do a thing. They could not do a single thing. Notre Dame's offense, this is damning if true. I need to see it happen against Duke, though. I need to see the, the matchup there. I have a feeling that Notre Dame's offense is incapable of moving the football without a 20 or more yard play on one of their drives. They can't do, for example, what maybe Michigan at times does, where they go on like a super long drive and they don't get an explosive play and they just get like a 4, 5, maybe 10 yard play at best. The offense isn't cohesive and patient enough. They need that jolt of energy. They they absolutely need it. Whether it's to you know Tobias Merriweather through the air or Rico Flores, um, or whether it's on the ground with Audric Estime, um, Jeremiah Love, Jabron Payne, or or Mitchell Evans through the air at tight end, he had a phenomenal game by the way. Mitchell Evans is a great tight end, seven receptions for seventy five yards. They motioned him everywhere. He was a mismatch all day. Um, also great blocking tight end really phenomenal player. And Chris Tyree too. He only had one reception for 25 yards, but his transition to wide receiver has been awesome. So I'm not criticizing Notre Dame individual players or saying they stink or anything like that. I am saying that whether it's Gerard Parker or whether it's just how this offense is built and and how they work together, they need that jolt of energy. And I have a feeling that if defenses are able to limit big plays from Notre Dame and force Notre Dame's offense to take a murder-by-1000-paper-cuts approach, that they can quickly defuse Notre Dame's threat in both the run and the pass. So the offense needs more consistency. I think they need to rely less on the big play, but overall they played They still scored 14 points. They made the comeback. I'm not going to be too hard on them. The defense, Al Golden needs to be a better play caller. He can't have the mismatches that he had, the bad calls, and the 10 men on the field. Overall, this is just an example of these two teams were pretty equal on the field, but Ohio State had the far superior coaching performance, at least at the end of the game. They put their players in a position to win. Their wide receivers made the The correct catches, Um, their offensive line blocked well on the final drive. McCord, when he made mistakes, he corrected them. Then maybe he made a mistake a few plays later, but he constantly woke himself up in the running back room for the Buckeyes, having Chip Trainham drive the way, drive all the way through that one hard final yard. They won. They scored 17 points. The defense held Notre Dame to 14. And the defense, after Notre Dame was just gashing them on the ground, and also through the air for the final 20-25 minutes of the football game, Ohio State's defense did finally make a stop. JT Molau, who was quiet for the whole game, came alive. Sam Hartman kept the ball too long on the handoff, and Molau just smashed him to the ground. Then he nearly had that, you know, pick six. And then Notre Dame finally ran it to burn another timeout, and they didn't get it, and they had to punt. And lo and behold, that began the final drive. Now, Ohio State, I think, has more to work on than Notre Dame does. And the reason for that is, I think Ohio State has a far better ceiling. They have a more talented team. They have more talented players at basically every position on the field, really, Outside of maybe offensive line, defensive back, um, I think special teams, I would still lean Notre Dame. Quarterback, I think Ohio State has more talented players, but right now Sam Hartman is the better quarterback as of now. I still think that will change at the end of the season. I think that McCord, learning from day and playing with these receivers and with NFL guys around him and bodies will grow and mature into a great near-elite quarterback by year's end, or maybe just in a few weeks. Maybe he makes that transition over the bye. We'll have to see. Um, But Ohio State has a lot to work on. They have the much higher ceiling than Notre Dame, and Notre Dame played a better game, in my mind, than Ohio State did. But Ohio State, with that talent advantage built in, and also a superior coaching staff, was able to come out on top. But they need to play to their strengths. They cannot play to their weaknesses. They can't force things. That's what they were doing this whole game. They had their head in the sand, and when they took it out is when they had that drive. Notre Dame, by the way, had a 90.9% chance to win this game after Audrick Estime ran it for 11 yards with four minutes remaining in the game. Notre Dame had a 90.9% chance to win. Ohio State came back from those odds and won. Because in the final drive they played to their strengths. They went past heavy. They situationally ran. Again with Trainum in the end zone. They situationally ran. They played to their strengths. And the run for the touchdown was an interior run. It was not the just the asinine end around on the previous drive for Ohio State on the fourth fourth and inches, fourth and one. I don't know why you call that play. Your tackles, whether it is Josh Simmons or Josh Fryer, what those players do, I could never do. They are far and away, far and away. Um, They're just not as good as your guards or your center, Carson Hinsman. Run on the interior. Don't run on the outside. Stretch, with Henderson, it worked once. Once. That 61-yard run, and I don't even think it was purely to the outside. I think he cut in between the tackle and the guard, or just outside the tackle. But then Marvin Harrison Jr. and Henderson's speed made that block. The offensive line didn't make that play. That was Henderson and Marvin Harrison Jr. Ohio State's offensive line, as they've had a lot of struggles this year, as many struggles as they've had, they're better at the interior than the exterior. The tackles have struggled all season long. Josh Simmons, I never knew this. He has been the most penalized tackle in college football that's an active player. He is the most penalized, active college football offensive tackle. The most. And then on the other side, Josh Fryer, he had an inexcusable personal foul and overall The exterior of the offensive line wasn't able to hold their own at the point of attack. The interior, on the other hand, did a much better job. So, halfback dive, stubbornly run up the middle. If you're going to run, pound the interior, and I think that you as Ohio State and Ryan Day will have success. I don't think that, you know, forcing the exterior run, forcing the stretch is going to get Ohio State's offense anywhere. In fact, what it will do is it will get them a failed fourth down. It will force them to punt, a turnover on downs. It won't be good. The interior of the offensive line is where you have to attack in the run game. And also, in pass protection, by the way, when McCord scrambled out, it was always through the interior of the offensive line. The the, the path of least resistance... And the path for escape, whether it was for Kyle McCord or the running backs, was always, always on the interior. Never on the outside. Never. Absolutely not. So the Buckeyes need to play to their strengths. The defense, I think, is nearly elite. And to wrap all of this up in one, this team reminds me of 2021 Michigan from a Michigan fan perspective. Michigan's offensive line in 2021 won the Joe Moore Award, and Michigan fans tend to revere that O-line and hold it in high regard. The truth is, 2021's offensive line was honestly not even close to 2022's offensive line. They just had a great game against Ohio State, where Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, and Michigan overall played the perfect game against Ohio State in 2021. The offensive line for the entire season struggled to run the football in Big Ten play. They averaged around four, maybe four and a half yards per carry, like the whole season long, which is good. It's not elite. Georgia's offensive line was better in 2021, and there are probably a plethora of other O-lines that could have made the case to be better than Michigan's in 2021. But they had a good game against Ohio State, and then they had a good game against Iowa. They peaked at the right time they peaked. So I can understand why they won the Joe Moore Award, and there is an argument to give them that title as 2021's best O-line. But truth be told, they did not have, in my mind, an NFL elite number one in college football type offensive line like Michigan had in 2022. Their running back room also a lot of Swiss Army knife types. You had Donovan Edwards, who showcased his explosiveness in the receiving game and even in the running game in 2021. Blake Corum was there. Hassan Haskins. Michigan had a power back. They had a quarterback who was good, above average in Cade McNamara, but not great, not near elite. But they had quarterback depth. They had McNamara, and then they also had McCarthy. Michigan that season, if Ronnie Bell wasn't injured, they had a very underrated wide receiver room with Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, Dalen Baldwin, and if Ronnie Bell was healthy, who knows? Michigan probably has a little bit more finesse and explosiveness to the offense as he was going to be their best wide receiver. And defensively, Michigan in 2021, they struggled in stopping the run. They were great in limiting the pass except against Georgia, but we won't talk about that. That's who this Ohio State team reminds me of. This is the closest analogy that right now I can draw from my mind, is this Ohio State team's like 2021 Michigan. Now that comes with limitations. That also comes with new ceilings. I think especially defensively, this will be the best defense that Ohio State has had under Ryan Day since 2019 who had Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, all American players at a variety of positions, great defensive ends, and a Heisman caliber um, defensive player, and Chase Young, mind you. It comes with compliments as well. A part of my analysis comparing this team to 2021 Michigan is that Ohio State has mental toughness. What made 2021 Michigan better than Michigan in 2016 or 2018 who had more star power, and who had higher ceiling players than Michigan did in 2021 at almost every position on defense, and also in my mind in 2018 had in theory on paper a more talented quarterback in Shea Patterson, was Michigan in 2021 was mentally tough. They maybe weren't as talented, their blue chip ratio was lower, but they had more mental toughness, and they had a better game plan than Don Brown or Pep Hamilton or Tim Drevno could have drawn up in any of those 16, 17, 18, or any other season. Michigan was mentally tough, they had great, perhaps at times elite, trench play, but that wasn't what their team was known for. They were mentally tough, they had great players, and maybe it's not the best analogy, but all analogies are imperfect. And another one that I think is appropriate to draw on is 2002 Ohio State. The team that won the national title. The defense was great. It was near elite in In some cases, and I think we'll see this as the year progresses. They were an elite defense, but the offense did just enough to win the team games. They beat Michigan 14-9 to 9 that year, by the way. 23 combined points. Michigan had three field goals, Ohio State had two touchdowns. So we'll have to see where this Buckeye team goes. Michigan and Penn State look really good right now. Ohio State has a lot to work on, but they're still the third most talented team in all of college football, according to the 24-7 sports team talent composite. So the Big Ten's a three-man race, and I'm going to talk about Michigan and Penn State's games later today and also tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for watching this video, and I want to give a quick shout-out to my Patreon sponsors, Spencer Bringhurst, my all-American patron, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my all-conference patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. Remember, your support is never expected, but it is appreciated. And if you're interested in supporting this channel, along with receiving a variety of benefits depending on your tier, please check out the link in my description to visit my Patreon page. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe, like the video, hit the notification bell, and comment your thoughts down below. Have a great day, guys.